This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Because if you can tell me what your habits are, I can tell you what sort of a person you are. I can tell you what your future looks like. But like I always say, life is 10% what happens to you. It's 90% what you do about it. The people who are most effective in the workplace believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past. When people don't believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past, they begin to disengage. You're listening to The Circuit of Success, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve success in every facet of life, only on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Now, your host, Brett Gilliland. Hey everybody, I'm Brett Gilliland, co-founder and CEO of Visionary Wealth Advisors and the host of the Circuit of Success podcast. Uh, each week, we've been bringing you one question with one leader, and today, that one leader is you. It's you and your family. Uh, I want to have one question with you. I hope you take me up on this. Uh, I think it's really important. I'm a big believer in slowing down to speed up. Uh, there's a lot of things that I believe in as part of the belief system of the circuits of success. And one of those is to slow down from our busy life and just try to learn, right? Try to learn what we can take away from a circumstance. Uh, there's a lot going on in our world right now. I'm not here to get into that stuff today. But what I am here to help you do is find the best tips and tools to help you achieve a future greater than your past through wise business decisions and wealth management. So I hope you take me up on this today. I want to ask you this one question. What's the one thing, and I'll even let you go as far as the two or the three things, but maybe focus on that one thing with your family that you've learned during this coronavirus where the world has literally been shut down for almost three months. What's something that you hope changes in your family's life? Is it not being in the rat race? Is it more family dinners at home? Is it booking that vacation? Is it reading that book? Right? Whatever it is, find out what's truly important to you. And my hope is that you take that and you go forward with that as our world opens and you continue to make a difference in your family's life, in your business life, and in your community life. So thank you so much each week for joining us. If you want more videos and tips and tools and all that stuff, you can go to my website, uh, or I'm sorry, you can go to our YouTube channel at uh, Brett Gilliland. Hit subscribe if you want that, some of that stuff, and hit notifications, and we'll be happy to make sure that shows up in your mailbox. There's over 90 videos on there to hopefully help you, again, achieve a future greater than your past. So thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next week. Uh, our goal every week is to give you the best tips and tools to help you achieve a future greater than your past. Uh, through wise business decisions and wealth management. Uh, this week, I get to ask one question to another great leader. This week is Aaron Broyles. Uh, Aaron has written a book called Go Do Great Things. Um, he has built multiple companies. He has sold multiple companies, and he's back at it again, uh, building multiple companies. So I think you're going to find great wisdom uh, with our guest, Aaron Broyles. Uh, but a couple things first is one, uh, I believe big time in, in coaching and mentoring. I've had mentors throughout my life. Uh, I've had business coaches throughout my professional career that uh, helped me uh, achieve uh, any success in my life that I may or may not have had has definitely come from coaching and mentoring. Uh, I saw a thing on here and I'm going to share the article on this, on this video uh, that Michael Jordan got a letter written to him in, uh, by Dean Smith, his coach for University of North Carolina back at the time. 
And it was a way uh, for Dean, you know, after they won the national championship to say, hey, just because we did that, I'm still going to challenge you. He said, go work on being a better dribbler. Go work on being a better defender and all those things. And Michael Jordan um, has said in the past that he would not be Michael Jordan without Dean Smith. So I think coaching uh, is critically important. Um, and, you know, I think we all have heard the saying that the teacher appears uh, when the student is ready. So my hope is for you that you get this nugget today and maybe you're the student that's going to appear today. Uh, and my question for you today, Aaron, is this, is, you know, what's the biggest lesson a coach or a mentor has shared with you uh, that you want to pass on and pay forward? Brad, it's great to hear from you and uh, great question. You know, I've received a lot of uh, advice over the years as a business owner, some good, some not so good, but the best advice that I've ever received is the advice that I've observed in others and particularly my father. Um, right now I'm partnered on a railroad with my dad. This is the second railroad that we've started and ran. And uh, but prior to ever partnering with him, I was involved in several companies in different industries, primarily technology. And I always felt that I took great care of the customer and, and great care of our employees. But I had no idea how well you could treat your employees and customers until I saw it put into action with my father and the way that he interacted with our customers and employees with our first railroad. And that really rubbed off on me. Um, and I realized that that is probably one of the best things that you can do as a business owner. And uh, it really became part of our DNA. And so I, I absolutely love having that opportunity uh, to invest and pour into our folks. And so there's really three things that I've seen my dad do, and, and hopefully I've taken those same things and put them into practice. And, and the first one is building personal relationships with your team. I think that's extremely important. I, I think when your team realizes that you care about them, that you're concerned about their family and their well-being and their career, um, they, they tend to give their best. They tend to feel that they're part of a team. And I just think that's so important. And, uh, and secondly is setting the bar high. Um, I think people want to be part of something big and something great. And the only way to do that is to expect a lot and to set the bar high. And, and if you've built personal relationships with those folks, um, they realize and understand that when you set that bar high, that, that you have the best in mind for them and for the company. And I think that's extremely important. And then finally, just being fair with people. You know, sometimes you have to make tough decisions and sometimes uh, things don't always work out the way that you had hoped they would. But I, I just believe being fair with your people and always doing what's right with them will uh, always play well down the road. I, there is a direct correlation in the way that you treat your employees uh, in turn, it will correlate to how they treat your customers. And so if you want to treat your customers well, I have found that by treating the employees well, by investing in them and motivating them and being behind them 100%, that just directly translates to how they interact with the end customer. And I think that's extremely important. So that's the best advice I've ever received. Uh, no question, it's had a huge impact on me. And especially during these times, you know, it's a very difficult time. We're in uncharted waters here um, with a lot of things across the country today. And I think more than ever, it's important that people know that you care, that you've got their back and, uh, and that you're doing your best to work hard. And so I uh, really appreciate it, Brett. I hope you're doing fantastic and I look forward to seeing you soon.
Welcome back, everybody, to another segment. I'm Brett Gilliland, co-founder and CEO of Visionary Wealth Advisors and the host of the Circuit of Success podcast. You know, it's our, uh, it's our goal and our mission every single week to help you with the best tips and tools to help you achieve a future greater than your past uh, through wise business decisions and wealth management. Uh, this week, I have Dr. Colby Jubinville uh, on the show. Colby's uh, just a great guy, uh, author, speaker, professor, coach, um, you name it, Colby's done it. Uh, just a phenomenal guy. And uh, I'm going to ask him this one question this week, and because every week we get one question with one leader, and I hope you're finding tons of value. Uh, if you're finding value, share it with those that uh, you think need it, and uh, just happy to help any way we can. So uh, here's my question for you today, Colby, is um, what is confidence? How do you define it? And how has that changed over your career? Hey, Brett. Thanks for the opportunity to be back on your show, The Circuit of Success. It's one of my favorite podcasts. The question that you posed is a good one. What is confidence? How do we define it? And how does it change over our career? And certainly during these difficult times with the pandemic and the uncertainty facing all of us, uh, understanding that our confidence is under attack is, is a critical piece to, to being successful and moving forward. As you know, I've got a strong background in athletics uh, coached college football for a number of years. And so coaching and coaches have had a tremendous impact on me. So confidence for me began in my career um, with a definition uh, by a sports psychologist who said that confidence is the memory of success. I needed that early on because when I would go out to coach and speak uh, on an ever-increasing stage, uh, I had anxiety. And prior to knowing this definition, uh, I would... I would say, yes, I can come speak knowing that I was going to struggle with it. And and before they would announce me to come to the podium, I would say, could I pull the fire alarm? Could I run out the door? Could I hide under the table? Uh, and they'd say, here's your speaker, Colby Jubinville. Uh, I don't do that today because of that definition of confidence. What I say to myself before I go on stage to speak is, uh, the, these people have no idea the kind of message that I'm going to unleash on them. Now that definition has changed over the years, um, and there's several reasons why. Mainly, um, I met a person who is the foremost expert in um, narrative-based coaching. Her name is Kristen Taylor, and she wrote a book called Remind. Um, and one of the things that I've learned in my career as I've shifted more to coaching is that we all have a narrative that's either written for us or by us. And if you don't understand your narrative, you can't change. And if others don't understand your narrative, they can't help you change. And so once I understood this, it really started making me look at what makes us human. And so the confidence, the definition of confidence that she uses that I think is so powerful is she says that confidence is about four things. And I think it's about what makes us uniquely human. And those four things are asking for help, building trusting relationships, being open to feedback, and trying new things. And, and when I heard that, it made me think about this. It made me think that leadership at one time was about power, and then it shifted to being about intellect. And today, leadership to me is about what makes us uniquely human. So if you want to go out and build confident people, 
if you want to go out and build confident organizations, I think it starts with leaders understanding that they need to first establish what it means to build trusting relationships, to ask for help, to be open to feedback and to try new things, to model that for their people, and then let their people do the same things within the organization. So that's my thought for today. And um, I hope you have a good one and stay safe out there. I am confident about this, that you and I better be going to a Cardinals game really, really soon. Take care, my friend. Thanks, Brett, for uh, allowing me to come onto your program and share some uh, business insights. So a pivotal moment for me in my career that uh, changed the way that I do business. Uh, I would say that would be the moment that I opened up uh, ENT and Sleep Medicine Associates and decided to part ways from my uh, previous place of employment. So looking back, uh, I always knew that I wanted to be a physician. It's something that I wanted to do from a very early age. But in addition to wanting to be a physician, I also wanted to start a practice. And I always dreamed that I would have my own, uh, my own practice with the shingle on the door. And so that was a part of my aspiration from a, a very young age. So going through medical school and residency as I was getting out and getting ready to take my first job, I had the medical knowledge but I didn't really feel like I had the confidence or financial resources to actually start that practice. So my thought was that I would take a position, get some experience, and eventually pursue that goal. So I took a position with a hospital organization and I was inside of that organization for a period of time. And I was fortunate enough to have grown a very successful practice. I gained a level of comfort inside of that organization. I was secure financially. I had a good work-life balance. And things were going really well. But as time was progressing, I started to recognize that I really wasn't growing anymore. I had kind of maximized my capabilities inside of that organization. And I really, had really in my mind, felt like I was starting to stagnate. And on the other side, I also had recognized that I hadn't really fulfilled that aspiration of mine to start that practice. So these two things were kind of eaten away at me. And eventually over time, I started getting a little less happy inside of that organization because I knew that I wasn't pursuing those goals. So ultimately, uh, after about 10 years, uh, I parted ways with the organization and started uh, ENT and Sleep Medicine Associates. And during the few years leading up to that, I was of course anxious or nervous about what that would entail um, you know, what type of problems would I encounter? And I think all of those thoughts prevented me from acting sooner. Uh, and of course, when I did start the practice, there were issues that I had to deal with. There were problems that I had to solve. But what I didn't account for was that my overwhelming desire to make this a successful endeavor and not to take a step backwards, as well as the resources that I would have available to me, including colleagues and mentors, would allow me to solve the problems as they presented themselves. So for me, that, that key moment was starting the practice, but the time prior to it and the time after it, what I learned from it was is that if you really have a strong desire to get something done, don't look for excuses, take action sooner. The problems will solve themselves or you'll solve those problems 
with either your own efforts or the help of others. And the most important thing is to act sooner and also to have that confidence that you'll be able to get through whatever barriers that may come along the way. And so for me, I think that was the key takeaway. And so now as I have future decisions to make inside the business or future growth opportunities, I look back and reflect on that time and I'm much more proactive about taking action sooner. Because when I look back at the start of this practice, the one question I've always asked myself is, why did I wait so long to do it? And I don't wanna to have to ask that question again. So I'm try, I try to be a lot more uh, proactive again about taking action quicker and sooner and being confident that I'll be able to see it through to a positive result. So Brett, I appreciate you uh, allowing me to uh, come and share my views. And I've enjoyed listening to the views of others and thank you for the opportunity. We're gonna talk this week with Dr. Ryan Diedrich. Uh, Ryan is a plastic surgeon here locally in the Edwardsville, Glen Carbon area, serving the greater St. Louis area um, with, his, with his company. So we're very excited to have Ryan. So Ryan, my question to you is, what's the most counterintuitive thinking that has helped you uh, have more success in your life and uh, more success in your business? Brett, that truly is a uh, great question. You know, um, we always talk about the things that are obvious, that are in the books, that are, you know, the path you should follow. So what are the counterintuitive things that I've seen work? To me, I think there's two that I've learned in life that are counterintuitive that really have led to a lot of success. The first one is grow slow, which is truly counterintuitive. We're taught to leverage, we're taught to grow, we're taught to um, accumulate assets and resources as we go. So as you're growing, slow down, and don't do as much. It's tough to do when you're an entrepreneur, you're in that mindset of growth and move forward. We noticed that we were outpacing our growth, our ability to provide exceptional services, our financial resources, as we were running 50, 60, 70% growth rates each year. Um, it was really unsustainable to have a good structure in place. So we slowed down and what that's allowed us to do is ensure that we have good quality customer service. It allowed us to have a future growth plan that is measurable and scalable. And it allowed us to have financial resources as we grow, these grow up on themselves. And what do I mean? It's, it's a lot like the Dave Ramsey uh, debt snowball. Um, it's kind of a wealth snowball. In other words, we're paying for all our equipment, all our assets, everything that we have as we go. So there's a ramp up phase. Initially, you think, boy, we're not growing very quickly. Um, we're not seeing a great ROI. However, as those assets then produce revenue as they're paid for, um, you see exponential growth because the next asset feeds revenue along with the last asset or the last acquisition, which then feeds revenue to the next. The wonderful thing about it is right now, times of COVID-19, where the economy has stopped, um, where there's financial hardship, I, I think this has truly been one of the best decisions of my life because we're making it through these tough economic times when others are struggling without the same stresses. Not only are we making it through, we're actually working right now to position ourselves to come out of this better than ever with more growth, with uh, a stronger future. 
So I think the best lesson I've learned so far in business has been grow slower, manage it, have control of your destiny, have control of your resources. It'll eliminate stress, provides a better, stronger future for your uh, organization, and uh, really, I, I truly believe provides the best outcome. The second lesson has been one I'm still learning, and I'll have to admit, I think this is a, a very difficult one, which is think smaller, do less. Um, you know, as you're growing a business, you want to do everything. Um, you see certain organizations that are taking over the world. Amazon, for example, is doing everything. I think these are the exceptions to the rule. I think often you need to be the expert at one thing. You need to focus on why you do what you do and how you're going to do it. And I would go back to the example of Apple, which was uh, when Steve Jobs returned to Apple, he immediately eliminated a ton of the products that they sell. He focused down in a small core of quality products that then they could put all the resources behind and grow. So if you've got your mind going in too many directions, if you've got too many agendas, too many goals, it's very difficult to become the expert, to become the best at one. Um, it's not to say you can't do several things, but I think they all need to follow the same core, the same direction, the same value, so that you have a cohesive unit moving forward with clear direction, clear goals, clear outcomes. So don't outpace yourself trying to chase the almighty dollar or trying to chase many different directions to see what pans out. Um, none of them will pan out. Figure out what your reason is, what your why is, set that focus and then become the extrovert, become the best and you will truly succeed in what you do. Hello everybody, I'm Brett Gilliland, co-founder and CEO of Visionary Wealth Advisors and the host of the Circuit of Success podcast. You know, it's our goal every single week is to help you with the best tips and tools to help you achieve a future greater than your past through wise business decisions and wealth management. It's my honor this week to interview Sandy Condolieri. Uh, Sandy is a Senior Vice President of Cyber and Intelligence Solutions at MasterCard, where she has spent 32 years in her role as a leadership uh, capacity now. So Sandy, it's a great honor to interview you. I know I've known you and Dominic for a long, long time, so it's great to have you. Uh, but my question for you today, normally it's one question with one leader, but today I've got multiple questions, but still with one leader, uh, is what's, what's the most limiting belief that you've ever had uh, in your career? Uh, how did you overcome it? And when you did overcome it, what happened? Hi, Brett. Thanks for the opportunity to talk about my leadership experience. I'm really honored that you'd ask me to talk to you about uh, what my most limiting belief was, how I overcame it, and what happened when I did. I've um, been very fortunate in my 32-year career to work for a number of great managers um, that I've learned so much from each of them, you know, just valuable lessons. And I think the best taught me that in order to build an effective team, you need um, a diverse set of people working for you. You need varied experiences, different skill sets, different personalities. And when you collectively work together, the success that you can have as a whole is far more effective. So before I go into what my limiting belief was, um, I wanna share a couple of, an ex of experiences for context. My first job at MasterCard, 
um, I was hired into the call center, the customer contact management center. And there were a number of other managers hired with me as well. And again, we all came to the table with different skill sets and we were given responsibilities um, to, to play to our strengths. There was great opportunity for improvement in that call center. Um, we, um, we, at the time, it had the lowest employee engagement survey results of the company. And we also had opportunity to utilize call center management tools and um, you know, improve efficiencies, cut operating costs, increase revenue, um, there was just a lot of opportunity. So the great news is about two, not quite two years into our journey, uh, a lot of hard work by a lot of people, we were able to improve in all areas. We cut operating costs. We um, improved, increased our revenue. We also were even featured in Call Center Magazine because of all the success that we had had. And the thing that I took the most pride in, I think, was the fact that when we took the all-employee survey again, our engagement results were some of the highest in the division. So collectively, as an organization, with that varied level of skill sets and experience and backgrounds, we had great success. But despite that great success, I had my own limiting beliefs and what I saw as weakness and, um, you know, where I felt that, that, that I was at a deficit myself. And that was in the area of data analytics, um, being of an analytical mindset, um, digging into the details, um, anything to do with finance and accounting. It's, it's just not my thing. And I, I felt that if I were to progress in management, that I needed to be more well-rounded. And so um, what else I found very helpful was that um, in addressing my, my, you know, areas of concern for myself, what I saw as opportunities is MasterCard uh, used the DISC personality assessment. And this is a simple assessment where you answer questions very simple number of questions, and it reflects what your natural personality style is and your natural leadership style, whether you're more of a dominant type of personality or character, or you're more of an influencer, um, or if you're more of that analytical mindset. Along with this assessment was a one or two day workshop, and there was about 50 managers from our division that all attended this together. And that was the first time that it struck me that, you know, everyone has a dominant or a natural go-to style and everyone has opportunities. And where I had seen myself in the areas of being, you know, more detail-oriented and, and data-driven, I saw that as a weakness before. I recognized that, you know, um, the areas where I was strong, it, it was no no surprise. I was strong in in being an influencer and in being in team building and and um, and relationship building. That that I knew I was strong in, um, and it was no surprise that I was really low in the analytics kind of side of the house. So, but but we all had our profiles, and what we were taught and what we learned is that you um, balance out where you have opportunity, 
you you work with people or hire people um, who bring to the table the skill sets you don't necessarily have. Um, so it was kind of an awakening for me, I guess, and that I didn't see myself suddenly as like, oh, I'm lacking here or there, but I'm just naturally this way and I can surround myself with people with the other skill sets, again, to, you know, support that whole team team thought. And, um, and I also recognized that I had to stretch myself and put myself in uncomfortable positions to improve upon the areas where I had opportunity. So as a result of, of that DISC personality test and going through the workshop and, you know, what I recognized is that I, I got to put myself out there. I got to get uncomfortable. And so I did. I started, um, you know, looking for opportunities, whether it was a project um, in my existing role or, you know, some initiative, something I could volunteer for. I just started doing it. And it wasn't comfortable. There, there, were, there, were, there were projects that I worked on where um, I just, you know, thought, oh, my God, why did I do this? But in the end, it was always a benefit to my to myself for sure, and uh, and hopefully for the overall initiative that I was working on. Um, but you do you got to get out there, you got to um, get uncomfortable, you have to stretch yourself, you got to be open to you know sometimes not succeeding. Um, but you know if you give yourself the chance, um, you 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 can overcome and get better in the areas that you you feel like you're, you know, deficient in or you're not so good in. And so, you know, what that meant is that I've now come further in my career than I ever thought I would. I I really had this idea that, you know, you had to have a, you know, it would be super well-rounded and be really good at all things that you need to in, in business, um, whether it's finance, whether it's um, process, whether it's operations, whether it's people management, um, you you can learn to do well a little bit of all of those things. But most importantly, you can build your team and bring those skills that you aren't as strong in to the table. And, and collectively, you will be successful. Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.